1: cryptocurrency three guys paid faded talking bitcoin no fee that's the free bitcoin podcast insane and adoption is still the only thing 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 that matters main
2: hey everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast episode 194 i'm your first host marcello and I'm host number two, D.
0: As always, host number three, Corey. Today we are joined on the roundtable with Drex underscore Jurassic on Twitter. Big fan of the podcast. Big fan of the show. Hello, guys.
3: Welcome. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Of course. Welcome. This is not that your you first said- time on yeah, the show. Yeah, when was the last time you were on? It, so it hasn't been time- too long.
3: Well, that's actually a great segue into my only point um, for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, ironically the last time we were talking we were talking about trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars being added and the podcast before Corey was hey there's going to be a correction and i was like there's no way it's going so strong there's no possible way there will be a correction and now we're the silence of the lambos and all of that good stuff (laughs) and so it really takes you especially as somebody new and got involved when it was like two or three thousand So it's actually, it's kind of, it's, it's a real situation for many years in a cycle. And Dimitri is super bullish still. Just one comment was like, you guys are silly for thinking otherwise. So, I mean, the old, old school people in the, in the space have been really um, consistent and positive. And so that's been very, very um, supportive for the new people like myself still who um, not freak out anymore. So that's the best part about this. So thank you guys for the support.
0: Hashtag uh, told you so?
3: Yeah, you did. You did. And I didn't <laughs> want to believe you. I still it's, don't want to believe
0: you. That's I mean, it's, it's temporary. I mean, it's one of those things like we're, we're still doing the Bitcoin podcast. We, we clearly don't believe this is over. It's just a matter okay. of like it, things were getting a bit irrational. And it, that's the way it looked, at least to me. So I had to say something. Yeah. Mm. It was a bit absurd.
2: What about the beef with Vinny? Uh, you got a fist of cuffs yet? What's going on?
3: Oh yeah. Well, I haven't been able to see any of his stuff because he blocked me.
0: <laughs> what is what is this? Let's explain it to because I don't know what's going on. Explain it to me and the listeners.
3: Okay. So there's this guy Vinny, and he is just you know Vinny. Uh, Vinny, what's his last? The, Lingham. Uh, Lingham, yeah. yeah. The other Vinny's good. I like Vinny Gupta. That dude's cool. Uh, but Vinny Lingham, he was he was just saying such crazy, unremarkable things, pumping his coins left and right, and all this was going on. He was making predictions, sort of like Dimitriic, with the, uh, whatever his negridomus, uh, and it wasn't right. He was the exact opposite of what uh, <laughs> Dimitriic was in pretty much every one of his things. And so it's just, I kept, I kept trolling him, just not even being mean about it, just saying that's not really correct. And eventually I just got shut down and he blocked me. So, here we well, are. What's
4: cool about 2018 is if somebody is saying
0: stuff you don't like, you just block them. Isn't yeah. that isn't that how echo chambers are created? No, That's a fine line. That's a fine line here because like there's we get we get trolled yeah. a decent amount, but you, you can't just block every type of dissonant uh, perspective that you that is against what you say because you'll exactly what I said, build an echo chamber that becomes something that, like, you'll never actually, if you're saying something wrong, no one's ever going to say you're wrong because they're just blindly following and and reinforcing what you're saying. And you need some form of um, competitive nature, someone to call you out if what you're saying is wrong and you need to be able to listen to it. But finding the line between blocking ridiculous trolls and listening to positive, like, good Critiquing feedback is a hard line to follow, or like hard line to find at least. And it's kind of been difficult for um, us because I've gotten to the point now where it's almost just if I almost ignore everyone because it, the 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 noise is so loud. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't get trolled a lot either. Not as much as others. That's for sure. Yeah. So I I would I would imagine because we kind of know who you are that you were giving him like yeah you're just saying you know hey this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong but then you get blocked but if if you that's why I hate trolling like you know quote unquote real trolling is that you never actually get the message through because you just get blocked immediately yeah because if he is saying wrong shit then he should he should understand that he's saying wrong shit so he could make, he could change it. But sure. if the, uh, if, I mean, if go ahead,
3: have, he's said way more, um, he's had better people that more inspiring people and interesting people in the space, call him out multiple times. And he was one of the, uh, I guess the, the original, um, dip that wanted to alter it, hard for all that stuff in the beginning anyway. And then
0: he, whenever Are you scratch at your microphone,
3: is my mic messed up?
0: So like you're you're like rubbing it.
3: Oh, I might be caressing the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, as as far as Vinny goes, he's just somebody that won't listen to reason because he it benefits him financially not to. And I think he's a smart smart enough guy and an entrepreneur to know that he just makes these claims. I guess maybe to stay relevant or I don't know, to show that he really can be right once every 100 tries, but mm. I don't know.
4: It could just it be a up. tactic. If you say something that's like, if you have a strong opinion, but you don't hold it tightly, you can get conversation going.
0: That's another that's problem. That's strategy ever. Huh? That's another problem that I have with what's going on right now or like some of, some of the personalities in this space is that what, what you just mentioned, um, people who are saying things just to get attention or like they... They have this massive following, so people think that what they say is worth listening to. And I don't, I'm a strong believer that just because you have money doesn't make you smart or right. And we, people automatically make that assumption. Oh, he made that much money. He must be smart enough to make that much money.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Or that outward persona. And this is the same, you know, I guess, blind followers of Trump. Like if they don't have a good reason why they like them, say, well, he's a really good businessman. Look how much money he has. He must be smart. So the decisions he make must be really smart. And that's a terrible train of logic, especially when you don't know anything about that person. Like, mm-hmm. I, and, and now we have personalities that are being listened to about what the implications of blockchain will be and what's a good thing to follow or look into that are solely mon- motivated by money. And they say shit. Just to keep that following, regardless of whether or not it's true or not. At least I I feel they do, and that's not. Go ahead.
2: How do you structure your Twitter, Corey? Do you follow people you agree with, or do you sometimes follow people with opposing views so you can learn? Or I mean, everyone tweets differently or twitters differently.
0: Um, My Twitter is basically people that people whose opinions I respect, and then there's a few people of influence, regardless of how that, where that influence comes from, that I follow just to see what, what's going on. But I have to, I have to take what they say with a grain of salt. It's not, it's not, you know, this said this, so it must be true. It's like, Oh, this person said this, what's their motivation behind saying it? And why are people reacting the way they are based on what his motivation, like what was, was his purpose in making that tweet successful based on the response and so, I kind of have to gauge what I read based on who said what and like how many likes it gets, so it's more like a social metric like, go ahead
4: I follow people that post um resources articles good reading materials It's usually a good a good research session starts out by at least like a thirty minute peruse through Twitter, and you get your articles gathered and you get your read on Yeah, That's how I do it I like um that. Yeah, anybody with, like, loud opinions. Oh, I do make it a point to go on Roger Ver's Twitter and refute all the dumb shit he says. Um, (laughs) That's something that I do quite frequently because it's just
2: fun at this point. I did laugh Uh, when you said, uh, oh, you finally tweeted something where I didn't want to run into a brick wall or something. (laughs) Yeah. I laughed at that.
4: (laughs) His tweets make me want to just jump into a concrete swimming pool. Without the water in there. Sometimes. <laughs> Just like, what the hell happened to you, man? But anyways. Money.
2: Yeah. Money. Brock Pierce talking to you. <laughs> All right. You want to uh, 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 get to a talking point?
4: Yeah, there's some stuff that I uh, thought about this week while I was reading. Like, excuse me, about the cough. And I was thinking, like, what's... Um, What's the incentive for, like, consumerist economies to adopt Bitcoin?
3: There is none, I don't think. I think it's being harder with all of the credit cards and banks cracking down on who can even purchase cryptocurrency. So it's like the the window of opportunity for them is to fight back as now to make it less desirable for a consumer. I think it's being, I don't know genetically engineered to be that way and there's nothing we can do about it or we can't
4: genetically predisposed (laughs) (laughs) um i
3: think well i think
4: what i'm saying is is that in our economy you're encouraged to spend your dollar because tomorrow your dollar is not going to be worth as much as it was today so is there that natural incentive structure but with bitcoin it's not like that and so Right how here at least in the states do you
2: see it bitcoin can never really be fully adopted because that's so against us have you been toying with the idea perhaps that maybe <laughs> cryptocurrencies aren't currencies at all and they're crypto commodities no
4: i think here we can call them crypto commodities i think other countries are going to adopt bitcoin because it's better than having nothing hmm I think Kinda you're. Like, I think
0: you're basing all of your opinions based on how things work now versus how things may work in the future. Like, if I mean, I, yeah. I, I feel the way the currency aspect of whatever this is supposed to be is going to look very different than what things are now. Like, based on the way things work now, it's not like, it, it, now, with Bitcoin. What you're talking about with like the inflationary slash deflationary aspect of how that how that works, it's going to get worse. And so the amount of a Bitcoin will get, well, because of the issuance rate dropping over time and the demand of it growing, the price of a single Bitcoin will probably continue to rise if at least the, if if, if those two things stay the same, right? If like we keep getting more and more volume and demand for the coin and the scarcity it gets rise, that, that means that basic economics says the price should go up if those two, if, these, if those two things happen. So that's not really a currency because people are incentivized to just hold it and use it when they have to. You have to like really, really, really give them some sweet incentive to use their Bitcoin over something else that doesn't have that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. But with the drastic expansion of other coins in the, in the network that won't have that inflationary model, more than likely, things like stable coins, then you can make... And you can make, you know, quote-unquote cryptocurrencies. And that's probably going to be what it is. It might be something that's built on top of Bitcoin. It might be something like DAI, or it might be something like the new Project Metronome. And there's a lot of, like, interesting things that are trying to work to be good currencies so that when I get something, I know it's going to be worth that same amount when I try and spend it. And Bitcoin, I don't think we will ever be that. It's not designed to be that. Um, I
4: think that what if there's just like one currency or one crypto asset that did define each part of what could be considered good money, sound money, right? So you got storage of value, unit of account, medium of exchange. What if like three different currencies came together to be those things?
0: If you I could know, provide not... the fair liquidity between those three things like in order for like if you have three different things to provide three different utilities but they're intermingled like they depend on each other then you have to have a fair way of exchanging them that's fast and efficient otherwise it could never work
2: hmm. well Corey you were talking about the next generation I mean I brought up cryptos as commodities rather than currencies but if you look at the next generation coins like Cardano or EOS those I think those only focus on smart contracts. So with those type of projects, the coin, the altcoin is going to be like oil, which is used to run the platform for the dApps. So, I mean, if I get some grid plus tokens, I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to use it towards my electricity. Mm-hmm. So maybe the next generation of coins are all commodities.
3: That makes sense.
0: Boom. Do I don't have, know. That does make sense. Well, it's a, it's a, talk- a certain saying. Like, they're not all like that, Cello. There are certain things that are just trying to be exactly current money. And we're just gonna have, I think we're going to have the ability to move in between our commodities and our money. And we just, we're still all using the same term for all of these things. Like, the Cryptocurrencies are not all created equal, and they all don't work the same. So thinking about them in the same terms doesn't work. And it used to, because everything used to look like Bitcoin. And now they don't, and so like we're using the same terminology, even in the, like the last year that doesn't apply to the same type of project because they're completely different things in terms of economics, how they work, how fair they are, how much trust you have, what the inflation rate is, what the underlying mechanism for dispersing the damn thing is, like all of these things are different, and so how you use it or what type of you know connection you make to it when you hold it in terms of uh, when I would like to spend it, how long I would like to hold it, the time frame in which this thing is you know, relevant to me are all different. And we can't use the same terms for it. And I don't know what a good term is or when those things are going to become useful or like understandable to the new generation. But it certainly has to happen at some point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it.
0: This shit's different, I mean, so treat it differently.
4: Yeah, things look starkly different now than they did four years back. So there's no telling. What about the last hype cycle? You think the last hype cycle was like der- not not derogatory? That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, good or bad? <laughs> for adoption. Good. Yeah, it's always good. Why is it good? Is it one of those like no such thing as bad publicity kind of things? Are we like, uh, is that it? I think it? It,
3: like, it gave the people a taste of what it could be, and I feel like the media is really good at as soon as something becomes hot, they they hit it real hard, and so a lot of people on the top got hit real hard, but the people who had been consistent with it were enjoying the ride the whole mm-hmm. way up, and I feel like people are gonna want to taste that again whether it's this year or next year or the year it doesn't i don't i don't think it's a a short term thing but i do think people will be patient and the people that'll that will be patient will be you know very very w- well rewarded both with their political and personal and moral views and ethical views being sort of upheld with the whole idea of what you supported and then also financially
2: yeah and and then i was uh Really impressed with Corey because he he noticed the market was massively oversold when the hype cycle and he he got out and overbought. overbought. And now the prices are far from the original entry price. So people are once again buying and then thus a new cycle begins.
3: Yes.
0: Well, it's just that, like, it's that same viewpoint that I use to see where the space is. And that is how much is it being used? How much has that changed? And what is that compared to the change in price over a short time period? And if if we haven't drastically increased the usability of these things, if the underlying technology hasn't changed that much, but the price is changing drastically, something's wrong. I mean if that continues for a long period of time, something's real wrong. And so like there needs to be a reason for people to want to use it outside of just trying to make money. And if if, if the only reason people are buying it and trading it and moving it is because they're just trying to make money, it's not sustainable. So if you see that happening, get out while you can. Make, a, make some money and then, and then wait for it to drop because it's going to. It's just not a sustainable way to grow a network of money. Ooh,
4: you got a lot of people on Wall Street. They're walking on the eggshells now.
0: For I don't us. give a shit. Like Their whole purpose in life is to make money from nothing at the cost of other people. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's not sustainable when you're trying to build the infrastructure of money. That's not the reason for it, is to make Wall Street people rich. They're always, they'll, they'll always be there, and they'll always, some people will argue, level out the market. But it's not the underlying reason for doing it and if you don't increase that or make it more available or y- easy to use or efficient then it's just a wild ride and the bottom and and the base price will always be how much it's being used because if all of those wall street people leave because they're not making money anymore what's left utility yeah so that's always going to be the the lowest price i just doorly explored
4: out on you right now
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i set you up for it and you've been, you you Drove it home.
4: That's right. I hit a home run with that shit. So, okay. So going back full circle. Econ 101. Does that relegate... Bitcoin's design relegates it to being like... um, It's going to proliferate, but it's not going to be in Western Civ. I don't think it is. Because we are a consumerist economy. And we're hella capitalist. And people... No one's going to want to spend money if they know or believe that it's going to be worth more tomorrow than it is today. Mm -hmm. But other countries where they're just like, we just need money. Like we need to be able to, I need those goats. This guy needs my sheep, but we're not going to like always transfer these physical products. We just need some sort of medium to agree upon. I say yes. I think Bitcoin and crypto is going to be adopted elsewhere before it is in the States and, and Europe.
0: Yeah, that's that's, 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 that's that's along the same lines of what I was talking about. Like You need to heavily incentivize somebody to use a currency like Bitcoin <laughs> or a commodity like Bitcoin. And those people have a hell of a good reason. They have no alternative. They <laughs> need something like that in order for them to, to do any type of commerce whatsoever because they, they don't have access to traditional banking infrastructure
1: mm-hmm.
0: we don't have it because and, we have access to everything i can get 16 credit cards right now if i wanted to
4: yeah and like to all, I'll add to your point about utility and usability is that this stuff is getting more useful yes. and with the uh, with the oncoming of like the lightning network for bitcoin plasma network for for ether even though it's pretty far off um I think plasma is a
0: little far for.
4: Actually, plasma close, isn't it? Or is it Raiden that I'm thinking
0: about? Minimum viable plasma is starting to hit main, or test nets, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of development in the area. It's just lightning networks on the main net now, which means yeah. a lot. So, like the the development of people actually using it with real money um, will start to increase. But plasma from idea to implementations has gone really fast which leads me to believe that if it's sound and it works the way people want it to work it'll get on main nets pretty soon because people really really want ethereum to scale and they're doing their best to get it to happen because at this point it's an arms race it's anybody who can provide the utility fastest is probably going to end up winning
3: yeah
4: I had some other talking points, but we
2: should probably get into the interview. It was a long one, Paul Pui. All right, yeah. Uh, This interview is supported by uh, MyCrypto.com, Bookmaker.eu, Horizon Communications, and Trade.io. If you want to hear more about them, then stick around after the interview. Uh, Paul Pui was our fifth guest we ever had on this podcast on episode five. And he came back 90 episodes later, and now he's coming back 100 episodes later. So he's been on the show three times. He is the co-founder and CEO of Edge Secure, blockchain-inspired decentralized open-source zero-knowledge global information security solutions platform. Boom. And I wasn't here. That's a mouthful. Me and D-Rex are absent. So if you love us, um, uh, we're not here for this next hour. No, <laughs> oh, I was in this
0: interview. He said okay. D Rex. He just said D Rex.
3: Well, you can find me in My Nature on Twitter. Thank you for liking my one. I get one like on my pictures about trees. So thank you, Dimitri Hey, <laughs> man. One like posting
2: those pictures that, of trees. I, I, I love trees. I it. He said, hey, man, if you're patient about Bitcoin, well, you need to be patient watching this plant grow up. It's, it's yep. all about life, circle of life. Markets reward the patient.
3: That's true.
4: All right. Here it is. Hey, everybody. We have a very, very good interview coming right at you right now. It's Paul Poy, the co-founder of Edge Wallet. Um, Paul, this is your third time on the show. Um, It's been a while since you were on last time. And before we jump into any of the... Deep philosophical questions and get into edge. Just kind of requalify yourself with who could be our new audience, and then we'll yeah. just jump right
5: into it. You guys probably have a bunch of people new in the audience, especially with twenty seventeen and the big ramp of crypto. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. I haven't been on for a while, and I guess that's because we've been very heads down over the course of last year, twenty seventeen. For those that may have listened to some of the older episodes. Um, CEO and co-founder of what was AirBits, a uh, mobile Bitcoin wallet. Um, and we've both rebranded since then. Late late 2017, um, we rebranded to Edge and announced uh, Edge Wallet, which is our new product that went from being Bitcoin only to multi-currency. So we support multiple different blockchains and tokens. And it's built on a new platform that we built that can be put into other blockchain applications so that they can secure keys the same way that we do at Edge AirBits um, in a way that is very familiar to people. That's one of our big fundamental goals and philosophies is take crypto and all the complexity behind it, especially with managing private keys, make that as familiar as possible for people so it just feels like you're you know, creating an account and logging into an app, but keep keep control of the funds in the hands of the users, not us.
0: I think that's... that's um let see if I can put this eloquently. I loved AirBits for the longest time, but I stopped using it because it was only Bitcoin. I loved the AirBits SDK because it allowed people to make decentralized applications that had all of the bonuses and advantages of doing things in a decentralized way. Like people owned their private keys. People mm-hmm. got to you know, be responsible for their own money. But it also mm-hmm. gave a lot of the things that... Um, you needed from traditional applications that user experience of being able to recover your password, being able to sync across multiple devices while still owning it on multiple things without just inputting your your private seed somewhere. So right, right. I, I loved these things, but I never used it because it was only Bitcoin. The move to Edge allowed, like I feel like it's, you just fixed all the problems that I was, I was having beforehand. And you came to the same conclusion I did it, of like, The space is expanding so rapidly, we need to make something, I feel like you just built around the AirBits SDK, the Edge wallet, so that it does all of the things that it's supposed to do for whatever cryptocurrency you want, and then expanded that to Mm -hmm. then extend the tool set for other people to do the same thing. Is that kind of the mentality of what happened?
5: Absolutely. So Edge, I mean, AirBits by itself was kind of, a. I mean, it was somewhat modular, but it was very, very hard coded to Bitcoin. It was also, for those of you guys that are developers out there, it was uh, in a bit of a tough language to use and, and mostly C++ and native iOS and Android. And that would work fine for Bitcoin because there are libraries for Bitcoin that you know, are in that language, C++. But once we started looking at other currencies, especially Ethereum, the libraries that make it easy for us to access and create Ethereum transactions and parse those transactions, a lot of those were in different languages like JavaScript. And so we already had our SDK in, in JavaScript that were deployed to some of our partners like Wings and Augur. And so we decided to basically build a, a completely new app utilizing that same SDK that we use for our partners already. And so that really brought us into kind of a nice, unified, cohesive uh, technology stack. makes so we're using the same code as our partners and we're adding functionality that our partners can use as well such as being able to talk to these different blockchains so it's been a great transition it's definitely a ton of hard work which is why we haven't been on the show for a while we actually didn't go to a whole lot of conferences in 2017 a lot of people wondered hey are those guys alive what are they up to but we were super hard at work we were actually growing the team through 2017 and we just finally kind of stick our head out at the very end and have what hopefully is a product that you know people like and hopefully it answers the same uh, concerns that you had as far as multi-currency support
0: well, i was loving it i was stuck using jacks for a long time and now i can stop using it finally <laughs> yes uh
5: yeah <laughs> Jack.
0: you can't uh, say that guys, i can
5: <laughs> you guys to, to make any comments about any other wallets competitors out there but uh you know we built we awesome. it. that's right check
0: d i think you're muted or something what's going on over there we can't hear anything you're saying. All right, I'll keep talking. So, uh, maybe,
5: maybe there's a bunch of four-letter words that he's saying so he's having a <laughs> yeah, that, you know those get all getting the bleeped out. It's a family show, right? Yeah, they're getting bleeped out. That's all. <laughs> I heard it as a Jax it is it.
0: <laughs> But uh, like now that you've kind of uh, maybe I don't want to say spread your wings, but opened up to the entire blockchain atmosphere. I'd imagine as you built out Edge and Edge wallet and tried to figure out what types of things this could be useful for. You've noticed some problems along the way, not necessarily with how you do what you do, but how other people may incorporate what you do. And you can start to see some of like maybe the, the holes that need to get filled with what you're offering. Can you talk a little bit about like some of the problems in the entire space and, um, things that are at least trying to be done to fill them?
5: So, um, we definitely are seeing some problems in the space that as soon as we, I'd say they're more multi-currency oriented versus kind of edge and the, the kind of the edge security architecture. Um, and in the multi-currency space, one of the things that we saw was that some of the infrastructure that Bitcoin had, other coins don't have specifically Ethereum. So Bitcoin as a blockchain is actually very, very hard to query. It's very hard to ask the blockchain, hey, what are my transactions? Um, here's my you know, Here's my address. What are the transactions that hit that? address. That's actually kind of hard. But there's infrastructure via software such as Electrum. So many people are familiar with Electrum wallet. Well Electrum is two parts. So you know wallet on your computer, but it's also some software that runs on a server to make it easier to talk to the blockchain. You know, you can give it your address and say, hey, what are what are my transactions that have happened on this or many hundreds of addresses? That doesn't exist on Ethereum. So if you needed to actually find out what are the transactions that have happened on your you know, Ethereum address, you have to kind of go right inside of the full node and look at the blockchain as, as uh, transactions fly by. And you'll notice that many of the Ethereum wallets in the space don't actually give you transaction history. So, my mm-hmm. Ether wallet doesn't give you transaction history and they don't give you unconfirmed transactions. You don't see a transaction until it's confirmed, which in best case, 15 seconds. If there's a big ICO happening, it literally could be a day. So, what we found was missing was effectively this. Electrum component, what's called an indexing server, one that kind of helps bridge the gap between the light client wallet and that full node. And so, one of the things that we're building is actually exactly that. We actually haven't announced it. You're probably the first podcaster, you know, media to, to hear about this. Yeah. But we're building we're, we're building an open source uh, indexing server that will sit on top of Ethereum, and it'll be fully open source, MIT license. Anybody can use it, and it's our attempt at giving back to the community and helping the community also hops on board to help support it, but eliminating reliance on centralized APIs and services that are usually very commercial and also potentially unreliable. And so many services do use these centralized APIs. Uh, We do. But of course, we'd like to be able to veer off from being fully reliant on them. It's okay to use them. I think it's bad to rely on them. And and this is a step in that direction. And many other companies, projects in the space that we've talked to about it are very excited about this. Um, and we're hoping quite a few use them. And as a community, we'd love to be able to back each other up. You know, we run some these nodes, these indexing full nodes. Uh, other companies and projects run them, and we're able to leverage each other's connectivity um, on that network.
0: You know, this is something we recently uh, interviewed a company. It was during the, um, it was actually during the conference in Dallas where we saw you last. M- Mimir Blockchain Solutions. Uh, are creating something I think very similar to this as a um, decentralized trust list almost api so it's it's it 's the way to incentivize it. part of what I liked about what they were doing was they are building a mesh almost a mesh network on top of the full nodes that mm-hmm. incentivize people to run full nodes so they can serve information to light clients um, Right. this is i guess, I, f- I feel like this is something this. similar to what you're talking yeah. about because people who don't want to download or run a full node need to get information like this, but they, you're right. They don't want to use centralized services. And so, okay, so I, go ahead. Were they
5: out of Tampa Bay? Do
0: you know, um, I'm not Florida. sure off the top of my head.
5: I've talked to one pro one guy who's out of Tampa who's building a similar project. Um, and it has almost exactly what you said. If it's not him that you were talking to where they're trying to give some kind of incentive and people that would, access those services would pay the various nodes in some token coin to be able to use those services. So that's, that's interesting. And I think that's, uh, that's one of those to be seen, whether or not the economy works out,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
5: but we need something now and we need something that is fully accessible by anyone to run on their, on their own infrastructure and potentially share with other companies and projects. And if, that eventually gets replaced with something that has some monetary incentive, then great. Really, we're just trying to solve the problem of not relying on the centralized APIs. Mm-hmm. And so whatever works, great. If it end up, ends up just being raw, pure software. And like I said, so this has no token involved in it. We have absolutely zero ability to monetize the software. And I think it's fully a community project that we actually spent quite a bit of money to to build, money and, and engineering effort to build. And so it's as as pure of a of an open source project as it as it comes because there's no token as anywhere part of it. But we're okay with that because uh, we saw the value in Electrum. We leverage it. We use its software. Someone else built it. Um, it's helped us a lot. And so this is our way of giving back in a different blockchain on Ethereum. And the nice thing about this too is that because it's not a, a centralized API, we're able to put this on top of other Ethereum-like blockchains mm. without waiting for an API service to offer it. So we don't have to wait for like an Ether scan or a block cipher to say, oh, we're going to support Ethereum Classic or we're going to support a you know, rootstock, you know, which are almost exactly the same. Um, we can just spin up nodes or other companies can spin up nodes and we stick this indexing server on top of it and we've got support. You know, and maybe some small changes in our, in our wallet and support for those blockchains just kind of shows up. So the,
0: I guess the automatic question that I have from that is what makes somebody spin up that node? Why would they want to do it? And if they I do do it, is it is it because they need the service themselves, and then other people can leverage it automatically, or do they need to allow other people
5: to leverage it? Um, they would have to allow other people to leverage it because you can always spin up something and just simply not allow it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably a private Electrum servers out there. Um, the ability to allow other people to leverage it is definitely it's it's partially from the goodness of in your own heart, but also with an agreement with other with of other products that say, hey, you know, we have some infrastructure up. But it would be great to have a backup. Um, as an example, we were, i think the last time we talked, we might have talked a little bit about LibBitcoin, which is a full Bitcoin reimplementation that we used for Airbits, mm-hmm. and we were connecting to LibBitcoin servers. But guess who ran LibBitcoin servers? It's basically us. And at, <laughs> when we started, we were the only ones running them. Um, uh, Open Bazaar, though, was also dependent on LibBitcoin since our origins at Airbits were very similar. We were both kind of at the heart of—I uh, don't know if you remember Amir Taki. Yeah, he built. Uh, he built LibBitcoin. We used it. Uh, Airbits co founders and Amir entered the Toronto hackathon in 2014 and built Dark Market, if you guys which, then Open which, which
0: then became OpenBazaar.
5: Which then became OpenBazaar. So obviously it had LibBitcoin in it. So we were both built on top of that infrastructure. And when OpenBazaar first spun up, they had trouble getting the servers up and running. So they were using ours. And then they got their servers up and we were basically sharing. And it was a very good community effort because if ours went down, theirs were up, we were able to still connect and our users didn't have downtime. Um, so that that kind of symbiotic relationship is what I want to be able to see, uh, which already exists inside the Electrum world. I'd love to be able to see in the Ethereum rootstock, Ethereum Classic world, which is why we, we built this solution. And many people have contributed to Electrum, making it better, harder, faster. Uh, much better than what uh, LibBitcoin was um, from a performance and reliability point of view, and so that I'd love to see um, in the elect- in the Ethereum space.
4: So, but I guess my question is, uh, well, first it's a two part question. Are you familiar with this like this term that's being thrown around in the community, uh, hyper liquidization? And,
5: Are you talking about from like the Bitcoin, hyper-Bitcoinization uh, hyper or liquidization? hyper Bitcoinization.
4: Kind of, yeah. I've heard it a few ways. And the way it's, that I've heard it defined is like you walk into a store and it doesn't matter like which cryptocurrency they take. You can pay with the cryptocurrency that you have.
5: Got it. Because you can always just convert. Because you converting from crypto to crypto is easier than converting like one fiat to another or fiat to crypto. And so it becomes less important what you're holding. Um, versus what you need to spend because the two are much more connected. Yes, that is entirely true. It is, it is easier than it would be with traditional money, gold to fiat, one fiat to another. Um, but I don't think that we have discovered or invented any technology that makes it equivalently easy as when you're on the same chain. Someone's looking to receive Litecoin and you have Litecoin. That's always gonna be the fastest and cheapest. I don't think that's gonna change. We can make it easier but I don't know that we can make it as seamless as you know, same chain, same chain.
4: Okay, I was just curious yeah, your works. opinion on it. Yeah, I
5: think there's always easier. going to be a little bit of friction. So give you an idea. I just got off a phone call with uh, Diego Gutierrez from from RSK, and you know they're building, you know, rootstocks building the smart contract layer on top of Bitcoin, and in that process you convert Bitcoin one to one, pegged one to one to smart BTC SBTC. That process to do it trustless takes eighteen hours. Um, okay, or, or you can shapeshift it and pay a fee for the shapeshift, and maybe it takes at least ten minutes because you have to wait for a confirmation. And then only once you've done that do you then have SBTC, which you can then send to somebody right on the SBTC kind of rootstock mm-hmm. uh, kind of side chain, which then has its own confirmation time, which I'm not entirely sure what that is. Maybe it's also like Ethereum fairly fast. But you realize that there's still that tiny bit of friction, not as bad, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. cost wise. so it has yet to be seen, whether or not people will be incentivized enough to hold the currency that they want to use on a regular basis versus do this, like, just automatic conversion into from what you're holding to what you want to spend.
0: The way I kind oh, of okay. see it based on the way that kind of things have changed since like, we, we started this podcast when there was only Bitcoin. That's why we're called the Bitcoin podcast. And now we, like, we spend more time talking about things other than Bitcoin. But and because of that like kind of massive expansion of the entire space, I've I I've kind of gleaned this idea of uh, or changed the way I think about how I hold my money within the crypto space. And it's I kind of hold different coins associated with how I would like to spend that chunk of money. And right. and so I think that's kind of gonna end up being the way that people maybe diversify across their crypto holdings or like hold their money they plan to spend. They put money they want to spend regularly into something that moves quick and fast mm. or yep. many things that move quick and fast and things they want to save for a long time something that may be a bit slower but more secure or stable or right, so on right. and so forth. And I, I almost feel like you can have some type of hyper liquidity amongst these
5: coins that people hold for like hot money. And right, right. I think they can be. I think the liquidity will be there. So from the viewpoint of that term, you mentioned hyper liquidity. I think the, the liquidity will be there. It's just a matter of how much of the friction will be involved.
0: Yeah. yeah so you know, the, the lightning network saves solves this. And it, the lightning network for a same chain type of thing solves this. Well, could potentially um, it solve it, this, it, assuming it works. It
5: solves it, it from a from same chain to same. Uh, it could, if it works, solve it from same chain to same chain. It doesn't solve the, the cross-chain problem.
0: Actually, the Lightning Network will end up being a cross-asset mechanism because you can. the Lightning Network is agnostic to chain, and you can then do payment channels across chains. At least it's been so, theorized that it can happen. I haven't seen it yet.
5: So the, the way that they're looking at doing cross-chains is via atomic swaps, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about atomic swaps. Um, fundamentally, I think atomic swaps are are going to give you some of the best demos but probably some of the worst user experience hmm. um, of any cross-chain kind of solution. So, co-founder and I have looked at atomic swaps and other decentralized exchanges. And while there's many, and they're pretty usable when they're on the same chain, like you know Ethereum to tokens, tokens to tokens, whatnot. As soon as you cross chain, uh, do a cross chain transaction, a lot of the solutions really break down from a user experience point of view. Um, imagine having an order book of people submitting money to say, "Hey, I want to sell a certain." You know, asset like Bitcoin, and then you say, okay, I have some Litecoin, I want to go ahead and do that. And you submit money, and then the price changes, the person who has that original order can effectively withdraw it. I mean, that's effectively the, uh, one of the limitations you have with Atomic swaps, is you can't have the, the simple user experience of simply saying, okay, there is an order out there, I'm going to take it, and here's my money, mm-hmm. because it can, it can get withdrawn, never mind the fact that you have to wait for a confirmation on both sides of depositing the money before the swap can occur, and you both have to be online at the same time. So there's major hurdles to, to making atomic swaps actually usable in a way that people are accustomed to doing kind of simple exchange. And that's definitely, atomic swaps are definitely not going to be the user experience of, hey, I have Bitcoin, I want to send Litecoin to someone else. That's like one of the worst use cases. It's just that user experience mm-hmm. is terrible. I mean, ShapeShift can barely get that right.
0: They have a lot Shapeshift. of capital behind how they make that work.
5: Yeah, exactly. It's fully centralized, which helps speed things up. But even then, it's still, it's still tough. So I think ShapeShift is a good kind of, I want to send, I want to turn my Bitcoin into my Litecoin. Once you want to say, I want to send my Bitcoin and turn it into uh, Litecoin to you, it doesn't feel very good because the user on the other end doesn't know when they're going to receive the money and they receive notification of anything. There's nothing pending until the first transaction confirms. So um, uh, from a viewpoint of atomic swaps, I think that's not a a good long-term solution for being able to easily reduce the friction. and I think that's independent of Lightning. And Lightning, in and of itself, um, uh, I, I sit on the side of kind of very, 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 very cautiously optimistic about <laughs> about Lightning, um, with a lot of very, very cautious part, and then small bit of op- optimistic. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of pros and cons there. And I haven't yet been convinced that some of the biggest hurdles of Lightning have have any proposed solutions that could be make it or break it type of issues with it.
0: then my immediate like i guess the onlooker or the or the the person who would be what what i would call the ethereum maximalist would say that's the reason why ethereum is better than everything else is because it's the base layer that can provide potentially assuming we have some scaling the interaction of all things with one single root chain do you see and because interoperability across blockchains is so difficult and has these types of problems that you mentioned do you think that's the way the space should go? We scale one main chain really well and have things like Plasma and sharding and things like that that enable side chains and so on and so forth? Or do we look further into interoperability plays like Cosmos and Tendermint and things like that?
5: I think we, we're going to continue to look at interoperability plays. Like, you know, people love the hard problems, right? That's just smart people love solving hard problems. And so we're going to keep looking at those. We're going to keep trying things and see what works and throw out what doesn't work. And I don't know that we're gonna find something. Um, one of my co-founders is working on one solution that looks pretty promising, but we don't know. Plus, you gotta have resources to actually build it out and try it. But we'll continue looking at that. In the interim, I do see that there will be a multi-chain world. And um, we, even with the friction that exists today, it's not that bad for people to, like you said, choose to hold coins and what they feel like it has a specific utility. Like, I wanna be accessing some smart contracts to do loans whatnot, then I'll hold some tokens inside of the wallet with a little bit of ether to pay for the gas. I wanna be able to buy quick, cheap goods um, online and in person, then maybe I hold some Dash or some Bitcoin Cash. You know, yeah. and then you know, if if price isn't too darn high for, for transaction fees, then I hold some Bitcoin as my kind of store of value. And really we have a whole bunch of side chains with some centralized infrastructure connecting it, such as a Shapeshift and the many other services similar to it. And that friction while there isn't so bad that we're not able to use the different currencies for the different purposes, except that it's not so lick, it's not so frictionless that we can just hold one thing mm-hmm. and just instantly turn into all those. And I think we just have to, you know, agree to say, well, we're just going to hold some of these different assets um, yeah. and yeah. put them in different places, kind of like, you know, different bank accounts in different countries, except that instead of it being different geographic segments, it's different kind of digital segments of our life, like different spending segments of our life. And, you know, Many of us don't have multiple bank accounts in different countries. It's only like the wealthy elite that travel. And, oh, I've got my Swiss Swiss bank account, my Chinese bank account. But uh, I imagine a potential future where what those rich elite that travel a lot have to deal with, with with banks, individuals will have to deal with with multiple small cryptos, except that the friction is still much, much lower than dealing with mm-hmm. like a Hong Kong and a Swiss bank and a US bank. It's still so much lower. I mean, a shape is, is pretty darn easy to use. So um, I imagine that the average person will be able to handle that.
4: I think you're absolutely right. And I think what's funny is like, like you just mentioned is like people already do that. Like for instance, I've got like four credit cards. If I want some <laughs> Costco juice, I use my Costco credit card. There you I go. Want there you holiday go. in juice. I use my holiday in credit card. Well,
5: sure not that. that. And then I've got I got you my know. REI card. So if I'm going to buy something at REI, I get way more juice using my REI card. And if I'm going to buy a flight on United, I'm going to use my United card. You know, because I better get something from them for getting beat up in the in, in the aisle. So, <laughs> so you know, it's it's like you got it. You, you're you got it on point. It's like you've got yeah. different ways of paying. Each one has a different advantage for what you're going to be paying with. And then maybe you might still have some cash, right? Yep. So same idea, it's just in kind of the pure crypto world.
4: The peer-to-peer crypto yeah. world. It's just that people can't. I think the thing that holds us back is the public-facing... Um, just We need like a PR company to just consult the whole damn space sometimes. Who is
0: we, and who is going to do that? It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a thing.
5: Yeah, there's no, there's no we in, in, in the crypto space. Yeah, so that's if, very like, true. Getting one PR company... You know, to take over, like, are we going to make crypto look really good? It's going to be in the hands of individual projects and individual companies and say, okay, here's our vision for for crypto. Here's our branding and our PR around it and advertising and see if that resonates with people. And if it does, great. You've kind of become a face for for crypto or a crypto or several. Um, Very true. You know, that can look and feel good. But, you know, the internet never had a a branding company around it. Um, uh, 3D printing didn't have any branding around it. It's just the individual companies that build on top, you know, that people see and feel. So it's kind of a bit of a race: who's gonna who's gonna do it? Who's gonna achieve that level of like ah, that feel, that Apple-esque branding around. Part of a part of that is is
0: services like your own. It's it's the people who are trying to connect all of the services to then give the end users something to use so they can interact with a lot of these things. Because what people actually see. And interact with is your app and what you're and you're kind of on the application layer enabling the interface to all of these different yeah. networks and there's a power there that you hold and in, in how you choose to show information to the end user and what you choose to show them like how do you how do you decipher especially as this space grows and grows and grows what you end up showing them, you make with with Edge, you've allowed someone to incorporate any ERC twenty token onto the platform, which is nice because they gave you a standard for that. But in terms of other blockchains, that's not so simple.
5: Nope. Yeah. So determining what blockchains to show, definitely it's a uh, it's a balance of choice and effort, engineering resources, and also which ones would we even care about, which ones have any potential in future um, in this. Huge world of crypto. So, uh, I mean, I can give the simple, easy answer. Okay, which ones have the most uh, media attention and market cap, uh, liquidity, trading volume, um, uh, demand. And I wish I could give something more in-depth and more Mm -hmm. kind of to the heart, but that tends to be what a lot of the- the What are people
0: using? You kind of have to go by that.
5: Yeah, you kind of go with what are people using? What are people demanding? And, you know, other than that, it's uh, it's it's our gut of also what's difficult. So some are harder to, to implement than others. So obviously the ones that are easy to implement are going to have a first leg, even if they don't have as high a demand. You know, and plus, who's going imp- to someone going to implement it for us? So we have an open source platform. All of the blockchain plugins are open source. So people go right into GitHub and actually make the modifications or fork it, and then suddenly there's support for that chain on on edge, or at least in the edge platform. So the platform. You know, can support many different blockchains. Our own app on top can choose which ones it actually wants to use. Okay. You know, as well, people could people could fork our our entire application and build it for their own blockchain and brand it like the you know Dash wallet did, and make it support only one of those blockchains. So it's pretty flexible in that regard. Um, but right now, it's still fairly early for Edge. We don't have a whole lot of blockchains on there, and so um, there is strong interest. People are already contributing um, their own blockchain support into the, uh, the Edge platform. And at a certain point it starts growing and getting a little cumbersome and you're seeing too much in there that's where we're going to be a bit more selective at that point but right now we're, we're still decently pretty open
4: what's that process like for people who are building a blockchain and they want to i guess yeah. use your platform what is that process like for those developers
5: yeah so it depends on what the blockchain looks like so if it looks similar to bitcoin um so dash is very similar litecoin bitcoin cash um, zcoin is an example is very similar to bitcoin it has some pr- privacy layer but its base layer is very similar Uh, the developers of Zcoin went in, looked at the repository for the Bitcoin plugin and the Bitcoin plugin actually is multiple plugins in one. The code just kind of like does a few if then else statements. If it's Bitcoin, if it's Litecoin, Bitcoin cash and they inserted their own little um, few changes that are specific to Zcoin, the address format, the network uh, byte code and whatnot. And now that plugin just suddenly supports Zcoin. Um, And so it wasn't a whole drastic change. If it's a, a drastically different blockchain um, say it's something like like Monero or Ripple that doesn't have any similarity, then they may have to write their own repository, maybe use ours as a reference, but I write their own code base that knows how to talk to their blockchain or network, whatever you want to call it, knows how to create transactions, you know do the, the signatures, knows how to send it out to the network and it knows how to uh, save some data on disk. So that way, you know, when you have your transactions that come in, you can save them on disk and not always have to always get them off the network. So those are kind of the three main things, how to kind of craft a transaction, detect a transaction, save it on disk. And once that conforms to specific interface into our wallet core and GUI, then the rest of the stack doesn't really change. It just automatically works and gets supported by the wallet. So super modular, really flexible. um, And I think it will be a great platform going forward to support Uh, whatever arbitrary blockchains and tokens that might get built
0: i i like that you end a lot of these things with whatever ends up happening because it's it's really hard to know what the hell is going to end up happening uh (laughs) and i want to i want you to put on your your hyper speculation hat and and what like what is the vision that you see for this space in something like five years from now which is a very long time especially in crypto world like what is the especially especially someone who is who is looking at (laughs) the interface between what people are trying to do you're trying to enable people to interact with this technology how does this technology change their lives as we grow and grow and grow what type of I, I, this is something that I keep kind of referring back to because I'm curious about what other people think about it. What are these social interactions that are changing as we enable this technology in other people's yeah. and like the general per- person's hands?
5: So um, I'll, I'll take it from the viewpoint of smart contracts because I think that's where people think, oh my God, this is the, the huge disruptive tech. Um, obviously, cryptocurrency in and of itself, just as a currency to send and receive, is a killer app. I fundamentally think it is, especially one that's not controlled by you know, a few small number of people, its issuance, and its you know, its quantity and supply isn't controlled by a small number of people. That, in and of itself, I already believe is is a killer app, but that takes time because it needs to be adopted by the people that care. And where we live, people don't care. I hate to say it. They just kind of don't. Um, it goes up in value, um, and only then do they care. So from the viewpoint of it being adopted, I think it can kind of take two different routes. So I won't be this hyper... You know, speculative um, future t- fortune teller here, but I'm going <laughs> to take kind of two different routes. I think it can take um, number one. Uh, it gets adopted like many people say, first in the developed world, uh, developing world, because they're the ones that care. Um, and uh, which cryptocurrency it is, I think for them, they're going to care a whole lot about about mining fees. I think that's the world that's like mm-hmm. very, very sensitive to mining fees, and if Bitcoin doesn't come up with a a solution for that that allows people to hold their money and be able to transact it pretty pretty cheaply, then I think Bitcoin could be in trouble in the case of developing world adoption. Um, the other path that could that we could take, and I think this is they can both happen, but you know, they might happen at different times, is you know, the the hyper Bitcoinization theory. um, which is if you look at the global monetary supply of like M1. Fiat currency—it's only about eighty trillion dollars. Um, out of that eighty trillion dollars, I think cryptocurrency achieved—was it at its peak—above five hundred billion, mm-hmm. almost half a trillion.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: so uh, we go up about ten x every couple of years. If you look at kind of the history of crypto, you know that's kind of a slow two years just to go up ten x in two years. But so let's take the slowest <laughs> so ten x ten x in two years. So. Half a billion. I'm sorry, half a trillion. Do a 10x of that. That's five trillion out of 80 trillion dollars. Do another 10x after that. Now you're looking at 50 trillion out of 80 trillion dollars. That's a huge, huge chunk of the entire global fiat. In a very small amount of time. In in four years. So you guys are asking about the five year mark. (laughs) So. when, when the total value of crypto is now achieving you know over half of all of fiat currency, that starts to beg the question of what's fiat currency even going to be worth at that point in time? You know, when is the tipping point where you're like, holy smokes, I'm not going to quote it in dollars, I'm going to quote it in eggs you know, and chickens and stuff because the, the dollar value is no longer that relevant. Where is that caught off? I actually don't know. It's actually a very tough economic math problem to determine where in the 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 curve of value but i think that's an interesting question to ask and i think that at 50 trillion um and that, i think that's the million dollar bitcoin right that's we finally hit like the mm-hmm. million dollar bitcoin at that point um you know will a million dollars even be that much money like um or is that like annual salary for I hope a lot so. of
0: can we can we call that mind. like the mcafee threshold can we is that like a, can we have a, like a, a general <laughs> like, term across well, the space
5: <laughs> the eat, eat, my, eat my dick threshold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: Uh, we, today is a monumental day. We've reached the <laughs> dick threshold.
5: <and laughs> exactly. that, was, that was terrible. Um, so the answer your question of, of five years, I do think that there's going to be some weird kind of uh, threshold that we cross when, if we do this 10x two more times in five years, uh, we start to ask ourselves, are we wanting to hold like how much of the fiat do we honestly want to hold? And if you start crossing over to the point where you're actually holding a significant more crypto, now we know that friction from crypto to crypto is not too bad. But well, we do know friction from crypto to fiat is, and, and vice versa. We know that that's pretty bad. And so will that create the, okay, now everyone's accepting crypto because that's what people are holding. Will it make that threshold come, come true? Whereas you didn't have to care like you didn't want to spend it it wasn't I you know it was less convenient but at some point it becomes more convenient because that's actually what you have um, we'll see that five year mark is going to be key because we've went from every 10x we've done has been like here's like all of fiat like huge huge amount like 80 trillion every ten we've done is still like a drop in the bucket relative to all of yeah. fiat but in two more 10X, exponentials
0: are quick exponentials yeah, exactly. are quick.
5: It's really freaking quick. And so in five years, we're going to see something pretty significant happen. If we continue to do the 10 X every two years. Well, let's, and let's so like look said, at those two routes can happen.
0: Yeah. Let's look at the kind of a, a, a previous example of something that D uses quite regularly when trying to, you know, make up analogies for people to understand this technology is the in- invention of roads and what that did for cars. Uh, hmm. Cars were a monumental invention on how to move people from place to place. That, was far superior to the course. But because right. we didn't have the base infrastructure, the roads that allowed the cars to work properly, they they sucked. Yeah. Every, everybody thought they were stupid. No one liked them. So anywhere. on and so forth. And until we yeah. built that infrastructure, when it got to the point where they were usable, people started stopped using horses to get back and forth. And so that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of the same idea of the threshold that you're discussing is that as we build the infrastructure out that enables this technology to be used in a way that's worthwhile to the average person, that threshold can't flip or that infrastructure can't flip.
5: Right. So the question is, what's the chicken and egg? What's going to cause us to build that infrastructure? Will it be the developing world that demands it because they really absolutely need it? Or will it will be the developed uh. world of people disinvesting and suddenly seeing all their money is now in, in not in fiat but in something else, and that is actually spendable versus stocks, which you're not going to be able to walk in the store and you know pay with Microsoft stock. So, what, but is you that might what's gonna cause us to. But say?
0: like as, as like this is something. So the 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 um, what is his name, Michael Leary from uh shark tank recently went on to i think it was cnbc discussing that he thinks most small cap stocks will be replaced by cryptocurrencies That if we do something like that and what most people are investing in especially in developed worlds is new cryptocurrencies then they will have that option to pay with the cryptocurrencies regardless of where they go which means that they can invest in something and then decide to use it for, to buy the new TV that they want because it it, it worked so well. Because the liquidity right. is, although it's still somewhat slow, it's far superior than selling a stock and buying a television.
5: Right, exactly. And so the thing with stocks, I think, if if our regulatory landscape continues in the way it is, you'll never be able to buy a television with a stock because the transfer of the stock from one person to another has to be so carefully KYC'd. Mm. And I think that's one of the the, the challenges because. You know the beauty of crypto, right? When you, whenever you try to explain to a new person what crypto is, they always ask the question, "What is it backed by?" My answer is nothing, because that's the beauty. Not that it's not backed by anything, but that's actually (laughs) what's good about it, right? And it's bad to be backed. And so stocks are backed by something, Hmm. and because they're backed by something, you have to trust that person to back it. And because you have to trust that person to back it, a bunch of a bunch of regulatory framework starts to come into play. Um, so from the viewpoint of being able to frictionlessly transfer value, that tends to be most frictionless because it's most regulatorily kind of irrelevant for the unbacked cryptocurrencies. I think I that, that, that will see going forward.
0: Actually, you're right. We've gotten to a, a new section in blockchain that we need to start making the distinction between cryptocurrencies and tokenized assets. It's, it's, it's no longer the case to have a blanket statement of all things that are passed that are tokenized are cryptocurrencies. They are yeah, fundamentally different things. A cryptocurrency is something that works on a decentralized network. That's the base asset of that network. Where a tokenized asset is something that lives atop that thing, like a ERC twenty token, or, or I think they're calling like uh, what do they call them? Uh, SEC compliant tokens that are becoming more more along the lines the of a thing tokens. nowadays. The securities tokens yeah. that are built on right.
5: But e- now I do think there are some ERC twenty tokens that are built with much the same what I call kind of trust infrastructure as an actual base blockchain token. Um, ones that aren't necessarily backed by anything, but whose pure supply and demand or would give it value. And, and the demand being its utility on some network or some application. So the pure utility tokens are, are kind of fit in that same mold as what I'd consider to be cryptocurrency because they're not backed by anything, right? There's software you want to use, you got to go buy it and go and use it. Mm-hmm. But no one's mm-hmm. making you a promise that it's going to retain value because of something behind it that they link. Like they're not linking anything to it it's in the same sense that Bitcoin is not backed by anything, but you want it to be able to use its blockchain, you know, Augur Rep tokens. It's not backed by anything. You want it because you want to be able to use that smart contract. So um, there is a distinction, but there's also a crossover between the two. Yeah.
4: I've always been... I think one thing in this industry uh, shouldn't overlook and at least continue to do quasi well is, is focus on like the, the verbiage that we use, because everything has its own language. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and for instance, it the, the job I just left for like weeks. I was hearing my clients say, flip it on the one side. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what the hell this thing? And then I finally had to ask the question, like, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's when we take the machine and we flip the settings to the one setting so we can get things out faster. And I was like, oh, OK, so that's a part of language I just never would have known if I didn't ask the question. And, still, and still I still don't know what that means, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very good explanation, but sure.
5: You but guys, I mean, it's, your, it's your industry though. You must understand because you're in that space, that company. It was is. like
4: a changeover. If you change over a machine to a different setting, they say flip it on yeah, the one yeah. side. And I was like, okay. okay. Um, but you have to learn yeah, these different languages. And yeah, I think lots that, of lingo in crypto. Yeah, it's it's good and it's bad because from a public-facing point of view, if we misspell hold and we misspell wrecked and we yeah. <laughs>
5: misspell misspell, yeah, but- that's what startups do. I mean, look at Lyft and Gift and all that shit. Like, kids aren't going to be able to spell true. in this next generation.
0: <laughs> because of the problems. applications they use. Yeah,
5: yeah. All the applications are all misspelled, which I won't complain about because I'm terrible at spelling. I mean, I, I was spelling being like fourth grade. I ended up being an electrical engineer and I didn't spell battery correctly. And so, <laughs> <laughs> Bat- you know, first, first word, I think I misspelled it. I don't know what I did. But, you know. Uh,
4: I fashioned a was- tweet the other day that was like if you switch the last two letters of cell, you still get sell, and then <laughs> oh. I was like, "I'm not gonna tweet that." I <laughs> get mad at that, no. but because uh, it was during like, it was it was during a bad moment last week during the markets. But oh, I think yeah. that that's one of the things. See how we do that quasi well is because we're unapologetic about the language that we use, and it could frustrate yeah. people. Like I've had friends okay. and family members who are like, "You said entire things, and I didn't understand the word that you, you were saying."
5: Say this is how you new languages know.
4: are created yeah and i was like this is a good thing now we can talk let's have a discussion about all these things yeah i just said so um
5: it's, it's I, I wonder if actually i wonder actually sometimes you pull someone out of like the shakespeare era and had them listen to this combo we had how much they would understand i mean it's english yeah. english but how much stuff have we just introduced into our our dialect that makes no sense to them and yeah you yeah. know but we, but they make sense because we've listened to it in the past. So, uh, I'm gonna
0: make a, I'm gonna make a pop culture reference here that explains this. That that is a, I guess, an example of this. And I think what would happen in the future. So, have you ever seen the movie Idi- Idiocracy?
5: No, <laughs> yeah. oh, I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. it is a Mike oh, yeah. Judge
0: film that you should go and watch tonight, regardless of whatever you think <laughs> you're going to be doing. Uh, it's so. What I'll give you the short premise is that um, the, a guy gets trapped into a like a time capsule for thousands of years, and evolution takes place that rewards basically not the most fit people to reproduce, but the people who just have sex the most, uh, which ends up being dumber people. So as time progresses, evolution rewards dumb people, and the language degrades to a point of like Valley Girl, Hillbilly, and something else that's almost unrecognizable. What? It's a
5: documentary.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much a documentary. documentary. (laughs) Actually, Mike Judge... I think tweeted is like, I never thought idiocracy would become a documentary <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: but what was this there's, there's no this one it. scene that or like a part of the thing that like the most average guy who spends five thousand years gets put like placed into this new future where the dialect has changed that has rewarded idiocracy. they don't understand him because he just speaks normally and so I think this is the same type of thing. As technology changes social interaction, we change the language around how we communicate with each other.
5: And we do. And we, yep. Admittedly, I'll give, I'll give us in the future a little bit of credit, is that we're actually using technology to replace some part of our brain power. And that sounds initially very bad, right? Like, I don't remember phone numbers anymore. I don't remember addresses. And there's a lot of things our brains don't do anymore because technology has replaced it, such as spelling,
0: right? Yeah, we that, don't spell. Don't care about and, it. And,
5: and people... And people, don't, and people don't add basic math anymore because computers do that for, for you or even complex math. So a lot of math is getting replaced by, by computation. However, what I'll give us credit for is that we aren't just hollowing out part of our brain and it just doesn't exist. We're filling it with other types of thought that, didn't, that we weren't able to, to do before because we were so busy just like trying to find a phone to call somebody. Right? We spent all our time doing that, whereas now it's like, okay, you sent me a message. I remember how many hours I spent in high school just trying to get in contact with people. Right. Just doing that in that <laughs> you can't hours get away from it. <laughs> so now I'm not trying to get in contact with anybody. Now it's like you're already in contact with them. Now you're discussing deeper, deeper philosophical thoughts and different yeah. advancements yeah. in humanity. So yes, we're getting hollowed out in one section, but then we're replacing it in another. But I guarantee humanity will keep its brain full. It just might not sound like what it sounded like before. We aren't going to sound like Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to spell as well. You're not gonna do math as well because technology will do it for us but we'll build the things that replace some of that thought process and in order to build them we have to think about it so eh, we're gonna not gonna drive as well either so <laughs> you know,
0: there's a, there's a problem with that that I'm seeing currently being being like happening with the, the the movement of our reliance on technology is like this underlying theme that I keep coming back to is an offloading of responsibility uh, we, oh yeah we now blockchain fixes a lot of that in terms of what we've done with the internet. We've offloaded a lot of our responsibility to the internet to take care of things for us, but that's all centralized services whereas blockchain puts that responsibility solely back into our hands, which gives us something I guess it it maybe replaces a piece of the brain that we took out and puts it back in there so we can start realizing that we should be responsible for certain types of things.
5: I think we were kind of talking about this when we were over in Dallas, as far as like people taking responsibility for themselves, but also balancing that with, um, you know, being able to delegate that out as an optimization. Cause you just simply can't analyze everything down to the T to determine if it's something you want to do or should do. It's good for you or bad for you. At some point you have to have some trust in something else. Otherwise, you know, it's like, it's the equivalent of, uh, making everything from scratch. Like, okay, well, I don't trust anything so I'm going to actually grow my own chicken to lay its own eggs to be able to make an omelet. And, and to some point, you've got to advance the technology. It's like writing all your code in assembly or building your CPU from scratch. You've got to use a package sometime. you got to use a package sometime. You know, same thing in just every part of life. I'm going to have to use some canned goods. I'm going to have to buy some stuff at the grocery store. And that's part of life. And it's also the decision-making of who are you going to trust. You can't build it all yourself. You have to trust someone else at some point. And that's not going to go away. And hence, there's going to be some level of of infrastructure and hierarchy. And fundamentally, I don't think it's about making it fully 100% peer-to-peer, you know, totally decentralized. This is actually the topic of the blog post that I wrote that I haven't published yet. That's going to piss people off. But it's not about full peer-to-peer 100% decentralized. Um, There will always be some level of centralization. And the question is, what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to achieve with whatever you're building, whatever technology you're building, whatever you're trying to support? And, you know, decentralization is just one of the tools in achieving that goal. It isn't the goal. I don't think if anyone, you ask anyone, what do they want in, what are they doing their job, this career, this industry? I don't think the goal is to decentralize everything. That's not, oh, what does that even mean? <laughs> to Decentralize everything. Yeah. How do you know? How do you know when you're done? <laughs> you know, it's like, it, there's no like milestone there. It's just, okay. It's just like, a, it's a, a word. It's, it's a kind of technology. So fundamentally, I think there are some goals. Uh, this is, I think, actually at the heart of a lot of the debate in whether it be this blockchain versus that, or do this to Bitcoin or not. You know, what kind of scaling solutions? It's actually at the heart of the of this debate. It isn't like, oh, you're gonna centralize this shit, or no, uh, you should do it because it's not decentralized. I hate people that say that, like, oh, um, you know, big blocks are gonna centralize things, you know, whereas Lightning won't, or they invert that. Lightning's gonna centralize and big blocks won't. It's not about that. It's like, what are your goals, and so. Um, uh, taking that as an example, like that that argument, I think both technologies, like the big blocks and the light network, are actually both going to centralize things. Now the question is, what's worse to you? And, and allow each individual to make that decision for themselves, give them the information. Uh, but really, what is it worse? Is it centralization of money inside of nodes, lightning nodes, because you're going to need a lot of money in those nodes, right? And they'll have to have a lot of money. So is that a centralization concern to you? Or is it very, very strong computing horsepower, which is in the essence also money, strong computing horsepower to run a full node, which is at the other side of the argument. And so I'm not going to state, uh, no, no, I don't know, I like one or the other because you know, one decentralizes and one centralizes. They're both going to centralize. Take your pick. What's a uh, lesser of two evils for you? And in the end, what was your goal? Like, are you trying to empower people around the world to be able to access a financial service? Are you trying to empower people that and, and remove fiat currency that's inflatable versus when that isn't inflatable? Um, what aspect of crypto are you excited about, and you and and has your goal aligned to it? And then pick the technology. Maybe it's not Bitcoin. In the end, that's what I want people to ask the question.
0: I you literally just described in a few minutes, what my talk in Dallas was.
5: Yeah. <laughs> that
0: did. was the whole point of my talk was to say exactly what you just said. And I, I, I please, I'm going to send you the link after this so you can watch it and yeah, see please, please. how you feel about it. Cause <laughs> we are very aligned on this. It's not a matter of what we should be doing technology wise. It's a matter of what is the proper way to communicate with somebody and how does the, how does the available technology allow us to do that? And now that we have options, we can pick and choose what we'd like to do to allow humans to do what they should be doing. Yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. I think so. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I I urge people to never throw the centralization or decentralization word out as a reason to do or not do something. Um, If those things lead to something that you don't like, state that, right? This is gonna lead to there being the ability to compromise nodes By banks and blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Great. That's the concern. Um, Not that it'll be centralized (laughs) because that that, alone isn't enough. enough. That alone isn't enough. And plus it's not even a, it's not even a, a binary thing. It's not that one is centralized and zero is decentralized. There's like a gigantic gray area in the middle, you know, and I think our world lives in that gray area. We strive for one thing, but we live in the gray area. Edge lives in that, in that area. We have central servers that we control that are part of our infrastructure but we try to keep things, you know, security as decentralized as possible, where people still control the keys, our app still operates if we're down, and people can still send and receive their money. So that's in that gray area. But that's mm-hmm. fine. I think I think that's the world we're going to see in crypto, is let's leverage the technology to achieve the goals we want, and not be so idealistic about, like, decentralization is king.
4: I think I think you're both absolutely right. And, you know, I also say, when it comes to, like, a, a mass adoption kick, is that, you know, it you've got to be unapologetically right. And I like that Henry Ford quote where he's like, if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> and right now, I do think the general public is saying, I want a better bank. Horse. I want a okay. better and faster bank. That's, that's what I want. Yeah. And like, if that's what they want, then I don't know, like – we called it horsepower. I don't know. Give them something. Yeah, exactly. Nice. They just <laughs> <pay them laughs> more horsepower. Yeah, yep. just give them something yep. that they want, but build well, something new so you can progress it. And I think we're right there on the tip where it's like, okay, you want a faster, better bank? We're gonna give it to you. We're just gonna, I
0: don't know. Sure, call it's called power. that. It's know. called this, but it's not that. <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll so, call it that. But bank you know, we'll power. Give you something completely different. Bank power. <laughs> How much? Yeah, how much bank power is in your wallet? We have two hundred horsepower cars. Like you know, what's a what's a weak car? About a hundred horsepower. Yeah. How many horses they did they ever put in a row to to pull a wagon? kind of getting, you know, like literally. Like, it's, it's not like, like
0: they're cool getting faster either with more horses. Like it's.
5: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're just carrying more weight. You're not getting any faster. You're probably getting slower. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a party of your friends, right? You just can't get out of the get out of the house when you're, you're traveling with friends because you just move all move slower. What so, no, exactly.
4: That. And that board meeting is, is that guy gets let go from the company when he's like, hey, guys, different horses have different strengths. Remember, Bobby's horse goes fast and Jesse's goes slow. Yes, yeah. You're fired. Get out.
5: You don't <laughs> understand the vision. <laughs>
4: yep.
5: so. You're only running as fast as the slowest horse. Yeah. Um, yep.
4: Well, man, it's always a great talk when you come through. Paul, that's always oh yeah. well.
5: Thanks much. Thanks much. Always good. It's a fun industry, man. It's like there's always a lot to talk about in this space. Yes, so I don't it's think I don't true. know if that's going to end. Every time I think that it's kind of settling down, then something changes, and we'll see. I'm excited to see what the rest of 2018 will bring in 2019, especially yeah. that five year mark. Let's let's yeah, get back on. In five we're, years. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we're definitely going to have like we're going to have a few more in between this. that. You're going to come back before five years, but I, that I five so. year mark we're going to be talking that about. 50% of the world economic money is now crypto Trillion
5: trillion <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> unless they just go and unless they go and print 10x of the money <laughs>
0: well that's probably going to happen <laughs> that
5: might that might happen but actually that might cause 50% of the value of the world's being crypto yeah. you know even if it's not even if it's not in, quoted in dollars yeah. Yeah. yeah let's definitely uh, hook up before five years for sure hopefully physically as well at some one of these you know, conferences and whatnot see you guys face to face we're on um, average twelve months in between, so that's cool. a pretty good, oh, like an annual, yeah. annual Paul Puy, oh, uh, oh, annual thing. Cool, cool. Let's add. So definitely do it. So play latest. Not. D um, play. Yeah. Get, Pouy, at, yep. get, get out. Get out Get out of your. Pui. No, you didn't. You literally
0: pui. just said Puy. <laughs> there's
5: a gray area there, so you know it's <laughs> like just like right. centralization. Puy. Okay. play, a Puy. It's like you know, so you got it somewhere in there.
4: <laughs> Me talking about language and shit. Can't get your yeah, name yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, oh, I guess we'll leave you with uh, our question that we should probably trademark. And that is, it's going to change now because it's definitely not just Bitcoin. Uh, but in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain?
5: Oh, man. I hate blockchain. Done.
0: There <laughs> we go. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're it's, making it, a book. It's,
5: we're it's making a book on these in the things. White paper. It's <laughs> not in the white paper. It's about cryptocurrency. There you go. Got okay. 10 it's words. Not in the
4: white paper. It's about cryptocurrency.
5: That's my answer wow. to what's blockchain.
0: So we're making Brent a book of out of all these. Um and I think that we're going to put yours as "Oh my God, I hate blockchain." Uh, <laughs> with with like the subtitle of what you just said. So
5: I'm actually right about right now gonna to leave to go to kind of North County San Diego and I'm talking at what's called the MIT Enterprise Forum on a panel talking about what's supposed to be blockchain and not cryptocurrency. Yeah, because it's not supposed to be about crypto, it's not supposed to be about Bitcoin, it's supposed to be about blockchain. And so I'm probably gonna be the one that pisses off the the moderator. Beautiful. Who's actually a good <laughs> friend of mine because I mean I like blockchain when it was about when when what it meant was it's on the blockchain. It's not. It's not in a bank. It's on chain. That's when I like the term. As soon as it became about blockchain technology, you know, then it, it just stopped making sense. Mm-hmm. No one that no one that actually says that actually is able to make a cohesive sentence around what what it is. Mm-hmm. Like not one person. I, I haven't met a single person that says, "Hey, it's about blockchain technology." None of those people can actually describe what the hell blockchain tech is, um, and so. Well, you guys are out the window. You make no sense to me.
0: I can, but that's a long conversation.
5: Yeah,
1: it's yeah we don't want to.
0: So <laughs> we're already we're already yeah. at an hour. I would love to have that conversation with you, and maybe I can make you a believer of what I believe to be blockchain. That is not cryptocurrency.
5: Possibly, but uh, yeah, you got a hard time.
0: <laughs> and if not, I, I hope that you can convince me otherwise. So that's one of those things like I'm a scientist. If I'm proven wrong, I will go with what's with what, what's right. Yeah. So. All
5: right. Yeah. Till then. Well, All right. We'll do it till then. Exactly. Thank you we'll very much. Talk to you guys later. All right. Take care guys at the blockchain podcast. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have go to doing. the
4: blockchainpodcast.com and see where right. it takes you.
5: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it takes you to the edge It
0: takes and- you right to the Bitcoin <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right see you guys
5: take care you too bye hey everybody
2: we have a lot of uh awesome sponsors that we're going to tell you about support for today's show comes from bookmaker.eu it's march madness time bookmaker is a premier sports book service in the us for over 30 years provides all your sports betting needs so they're they're taking all of those years of experience and they're pivoting the crypto hence why you're hearing about them so you can make your college basketball picks with bitcoin today at bookmaker.eu slash Podcast. That's right. We got our own URL, so you can rest assured. Dear listeners, depositing with Bitcoin fast, easy, and simple, and over 90% of bettors use Bitcoin to fund their bookmaker accounts and receive their winnings. They offer live in-progress betting on every major sporting event, which allows you to wage on the game uninterrupted from tip-off until final whistle. Visit bookmaker.eu slash podcast today. Sign up and claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus that's up to $300 people bookmakereu slash Bitcoin podcast to claim that 100% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit in either Bitcoin or fiat this episode is also supported by horizon communications countries around the world have been plagued with below par internet and telecommunication services d actually interviewed them and we're going to see an announcement pretty soon so you can hear even more um But the reason why that those plagues are happening is due to aging equipment. Expensive to install infrastructure and national disasters. Horizon has announced the launch of the pre-sale. The company plans to first roll out high-speed internet and cellular service in the Caribbean and Central America. And the token generation event issues the Horizon token. And they see a potential of 125 million US after the first four years of operation. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, So you, you you get a number of benefits. You know, you pay for services with the token. You get access to enterprise-level services and support and a quarterly dividend paid in Ethereum. So this was conceived by a veteran information technologist. D interviewed him. His name is Gilbert Darrell. And uh, the rest of the team is pretty strong as well. So uh, 10 million tokens are available for the sale. And a discount of up to 60%. So p- to participate, interested investors are encouraged to visit the official website at horizon.com.co. And this episode is brought to you also by Trade.io, a next generation of blockchain based financial exchange. We here at the podcast only promote the most valuable projects. And let's tell you, the board and advisory team at Trade.io comprise of high level executives and professionals from the worlds of Wall Street, banking and blockchain. Trade.io thanks its loyal participants for contributing over $31 million for its ICO, the crypto community, I've asked them for an industry-leading crypto exchange made by crypto traders for crypto traders. No more waiting for account verification. No more interruptions of services during peak trading times. No more frustrating interfaces. Partner with some of the most highly reputable organizations and exchanges in blockchain. Their team promises a fast, efficient, and safe experience buying and selling cryptos on their exchange. You can be the first to experience it by signing up to trade.io slash sign up. Join the trading revolution. And last but not least, MyCrypto.com. MyCrypto is an open source client-side tool for generating Ether wallets, handling ERC-20 tokens, interacting with Ethereum blockchain more easily. You can send a support ticket to support at MyCrypto.com if you have any questions. Since 2015, they're focused on building awesome products that put the power in people's hands. Visit MyCrypto.com. Or you can follow them on Twitter at MyCrypto. How's that, D? It's a lot of ads. Yeah, when you smash them all together. But guess what? We're also, uh, we got some dates that we're going to be at. D and his Block Edge cohorts are going to be at the Draper University Blockchain Intensive Boot Camp. And we're finding there's a huge audience interested in cryptocurrencies, but those people find it hard to invest in. And for that, coinseed.co. Draperuniversity.com. Uh, we're also gonna be blockchain national conference, an event organized by a bunch of journalists. Damon John from Shark Tank, John McAfee. Uh, that's April 25th through the 26th at bcnation.com slash home. Anything you want to add? I got nothing.
5: Thank you guys uh,